Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crack One Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about... The history of the beer. What's in it. How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' When Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Forgotten Cinema is now looking for a new co-host to join myself, Mike Field, because Mike Butler's a bitch. Group Raider Revenge is coming! This is my town! Oh, no, Which is I would love you, to do a James Bond podcast. I'll do it right now. Cancel the other podcast. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women? <laughs> and so get to Los Angeles. Is this the movie that's going to end the show? It's going to end the podcast? Because <laughs> this movie, like, I cannot, I cannot tell people to watch this movie. Like, I will not. This movie is not good. You get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it to the limit one more time. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast, Season 9, The Season of Summer. Each episode this season, we're highlighting a film that had a coveted summer release date, but for a variety of reasons was forgotten or straight up ignored by audiences. Whether it was because it was pitted against a tentpole film or it was given a limited release run to fill out a studio schedule. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. Field, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing just peachy. That sounds good. That sounds good. You know who's not doing well? Elliot Sherman. (gasps) Forever a Baxter. (laughs) (laughs) Elliot Sherman has had terrible luck with women during his life, losing three of them to ex-boyfriends in outlandish situations. Now, a week before he is to marry Caroline, she mentions an old high school boyfriend, Bradley, and Elliot worries that the curse is about to strike again. A co-worker named Cecil attempts to reassure him, but trying not to give into anxiety, only making things worse. This is the Baxter. Oh, yeah. Hey, you don't seem like you're really excited about that. About the, uh, that synopsis <laughs> read there. I thought I did a really good job. You did a fantastic job, but you did a great, great job. <laughs> All right. That's fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So the Baxter has a runtime of 91 minutes. It's rated PG-13, has a production budget of who knows because I couldn't find it. Apologies. It has a release date of August 26, 2005. We'll get into that a little bit. That is obviously a summer month. Uh, opening weekend, it did 37 thousand dollars <laughs> domestic and worldwide are the same that's at one hundred and eighty-one thousand. so yeah not a hit but um i will endeavor to make you consider it uh, a cult classic how about that production company was plum pictures and distributed by ifc films so real quickly on the date it came out this movie had a opening release at the tribeca film festival in april of that year of 2005 excuse me of april 2005 that's where I actually saw this movie. I saw it at the Tribeca Film Festival. Ooh. I did, I know. It was really fancy. It was really fancy. The filmmakers were there. We're like, oh, it was packed. You had to run to the theater because 
back when you could go to the movie theaters without, you know, the spread of getting variants in your face. Uh, <laughs> you, um, the Tribeca Film Festival is not just at one location. It's a variety of locations around Tribeca, around New York. Uh, but you have to like the way we do the festivals, we'll go one day or we, how we did it. We would go on one day and we'd try to get as many movies in as possible. So we'd see like five in a day, mm -hmm. but you'd have to make sure that, okay, once this movie ends, we have to book it to this theater. So it would be like us running to the theater to get in. So I think this was movie three or four of that day. And this might've been the year that we watched. We went in, probably saw a movie in the morning, not really sure how early. And we went all the way straight through to the midnight show where we watched the German movie antibodies which was about like a serial killer that was going to be remade into a American film, but they, I guess, didn't do it. So we watched this whole, this was one of those days where we watched all these movies, which was pretty cool. So anyways, so while it did have, it does have a release date of April for the Tribeca film festival. It then was put out limited run, not really, it's never got a wide release and a limited release on August 26th. So it technically does have a summer release date, but you know, you may see the April date. I don't know if you did in your notes, when you were doing any of the, your uh, research. You really stretched this one, Field. You really stretched this one into a summer movie. <laughs> well, that's not a stretch. I would think this is less of a stretch than our first film. Uh, what was the first film we did? Croupier? Yeah, because Croupier was a little... I could, I, it, You could make a case that Croupier wasn't. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. but but this, this one has a limited... It counts, right? <laughs> so on the 26th of August, you had The Brothers Grimm, The Cave, and Undiscovered. On the 19th, excuse me, on the 31st, which is the Wednesday after this date, you had the Constant Gardener, obviously a big time summer classic. And then you had September 2nd, the week after you had Transporter 2, which now we're not in the summer months. We're basically, this is considered the fall season, yeah. even though technically summer ends in uh, September 21st. Uh, you had Transporter 2, Underclassmen, and A Sound of Thunder. That is not good. Oh man, it's so bad. Yeah. Uh, the 19th, <laughs> August 19th, the week before you had Red Eye, which I actually don't mind Red Eye. It's nice and short. It's okay. The four, ooh, the 40-Year-Old Virgin and Valiant. None of these movies, I mean, besides the 40-Year-Old Virgin and the Brothers Grimm, I mean, you know the Constant Gardener probably from, you know, Oscar season. Yeah, and whatnot, it's critically and Transport yeah. too. It's not really a, it, this is the end of summer. So the end of summer is really just kind of, what, what else we got? Let's yeah. Put it out there. Transport yeah. 2, I like. Which one's that? Is that the one Matthew Modine or is that the first one? Or is that the third one? Where Man, I don't know. Where, the he to, where he has to stop them from getting injected with the poison, or they're trying to kill the kid. I think that's the second. That is second one. Okay, yeah. yeah. Matthew Modine's the father. In that. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. So this is directed by Michael Showalter. Uh, th this movie has a lot of roots. For those who don't are unaware of the early '90s of the comedy sketch series The State from uh, MTV, and also uh, Comedy Central do Stella. Was that yes. in Comedy Central? Okay. So a lot of these people all work together. I know them from the state originally. And Mike, you probably know them more from Stella, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So directed by Michael Showalter, who did Hello, My Name is Doris, The Big Sick, The Lovebirds. And he's actually uh, doing, or it's coming out in the eyes of Tammy Faye, which is about Tammy Faye Baker. Written by, my, written by Michael Showalter. Wow. I just talked about him. Uh, mm -hmm. He has written They Came Together, the TV show Search Party, which is on Stars. No. Search Party on HBO, I think. No, that's not HBO Max, is it? Is it HBO Max? I think so, okay. yeah. I think there's trailers. can't keep up anymore. <laughs> uh, and he's also, obviously, for those who don't know, these uh, were part of Wet Hot American Summer. I'm sure everyone has seen that film. That's not a forgotten film. Cinem cinematography by Tim Orr, who's done All the Real Girls, Choke, Ted, Palms, and the TV show Dickinson on Apple+. Plus. Composer was two composers, Theodore Shapiro who's done State in Maine, Tropic Thunder, Jennifer's Body, and the, the upcoming Mysterious Benedict Society. I believe that's on Netflix. And then Craig Werdron, who's done Roger Dodger, Reno 911, the TV show, and I believe he did the movie and then the movie Role Models. 
edited by Jacob Craycroft and Sarah Fleck. Sarah Flack, excuse me, Craycroft has done Super Troopers, Our Idiot Brother, and The Romantics. Flack is on The Limey, Lost in Translation, and Dan in Real Life. I recommend that movie. It's pretty good. Produced by Galt Niederhofer. I think I got that name right. I apologize if I, if I did not. Celine and Celine Rattray, to name a few. Niederhofer has done Infinitely Polar Bear, Robot and Frank, and Grace and Gaunt. Grace, Grace is Gone, excuse me. And then Rattray has done Girl Most Likely, Bernie, and The Kids Are All Right. Uh, this, is a, this is definitely an indie film, so... That's part of one of the reasons why I like this movie. So it's a lot of indie producers, indie credits in terms of, you know, behind the scenes. You had Michael Showalter not only wrote and directed it, he plays the lead Elliot Sherman. He's in Signs. I don't even know where in Signs he he's is. He's in Signs? Yeah. I What's was, he listed as in Signs? I can't remember. He's one of these, like a, I think he's at the birthday party maybe when they see the, no, because that's, they're speaking Spanish in that part. So that's probably not, he's probably not in that. When did Signs come out? 2000, right? 2001, 2000? I'm on it. It's not ninety nine. Ninety nine was six cents. So Lionel Pritchard. I don't know what part he's in. So anyways, he's in Signs. He's also in Kissing Jessica Stein <laughs> and Safe Men. Elizabeth Banks is Caroline Swan. She is in Brightburn, Invincible, and the TV show Mrs. America. Michelle Williams as Cecil Mills. Uh, she this is Michelle Williams before everyone, I guess. Realized Michelle Williams was awesome, right? This is she was already in Dawson Creek. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But anyway, she was nominated for Oscar for Manchester by the Sea, My Week with Marilyn, Blue Valentine, and Brokeback Mountain. She will probably win one one of these days. Justin Theroux as Bradley Lake. He's in the TV show The Leftovers, Wanderlust, and the upcoming TV show, which I know you're interested in, The Mosquito Coast, right? You want to see that. I do want to yeah. see that. Zach Orth as Wendell Wims. He is in Vicky Christina Barcelona, The Other Guys, and uh, the TV show Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Michael Ian Black as Ed. He's in the TV show Stella. Uh, he's also in Take Me Home Tonight and This Is 40. Catherine Lloyd Burns as Stella. <laughs> she's, she's in Keeping the Faith Mafia with an exclamation point and Pushing Tin. Peter Dinklage as Benson Hedges, The uh, Cigarette. <laughs> uh, he is in um, Game of Thrones, obviously, for those who don't know. He's also in The Station Agent and I Care A Lot, which is the new Netflix film. Paul Rudd as Dan, which I forgot Paul Rudd was in this real quick. He's, I don't know if you know who Paul Rudd is, but he's in Ant-Man, I Love You Man, Catcher Was a Spy, and then he's in the upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife. He's also in your favorite movie, Forgotten, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I'm surprised you didn't listen to that. You love it so much. I don't love it so much. Why, why are you taking a jab at me? I just, why are you taking a jab at me? <laughs> I don't care that people think, oh, my God, he doesn't like it. Whatever, I don't like it. Also, I found out who uh, Show Walter played. He's the guy at the bar who talks about how uh, Meryl has the biggest strikeout record and is a loser. Oh my god, I cannot even remember that scene. He's also got the biggest strikeout record. I remember the scene, but I can't picture his face in that I'm scene. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Yeah. You know why? It's probably because my viewing of signs these days is just like, oh, it's on, and I always cut it towards the end or towards yeah. the middle. You don't get it in the beginning. So yeah, that's probably why. So, and then I have a list of people that are in this movie that you will recognize from the state. David Wayne, Jolo, Truculio, or Trujillo, Trulio? Trulio. I always thought it was Trulio. 80 Miles, who's in Stella, and then Ken Marino is also in the state. He's in Veronica Mars. Ken Marino was funny. His it, little uh, guest appearance. <laughs> I know. Jack McBrayer, who's in 30 Rock. He's in He's in this movie for a hot second. And then you might recognize Sarah Drew. She's in Grey's Anatomy. But did you also realize that the sister of... Elizabeth Banks' character, Caroline, is Haviland Morris. She is Caroline in 16 Candles. The, oh, is she? Yes. Yes. So. Is that why she was the connection there? Maybe, yeah. I mean, but, you know, that that's probably something like, oh, I love that movie. I am surprised Jack McBride doesn't appear in this, because they're all the Baxter group. He's not he in the second. He does not appear in the yeah. second and he doesn't, yeah. and he doesn't get a credit. Like, that's where the credit is for those four guys. Is in that bar scene. Is in that yeah. bar scene when they do the 
which I kind of like when they do credits like that, when they have the, the, the people show, the show. again. Yeah. yeah. I thought, I think that's pretty cool. All right. I've talked enough. Um, <laughs> when I saw this movie in the theater, I really liked it. You know, I love uh, Wet Hot American Summer. It's a little, it's not as goofy as Wet Hot American Summer, but it does have that in there. Mm-hmm. There's two reasons why I like this movie. One, I think it's really funny and I, and I enjoy the humor. And two, there's, I have an affinity to independent films. I know you already know this. Mm-hmm. So even though I know it doesn't look the best and it, it looks cheap and it looks like it's done on the cheap, that does not bother me because I, I kind of appeals to me, I guess in, okay. in some way. I'm curious what you thought about the movie. Cause you have not seen this, but movie. the movie looked like garbage. It does Hot garbage, but that's not what the movie, the, but that's not, it's not going to get any rewards for cinematography. It, it was made in 2005. Why do the cameras that they're using look like they're from the eighties? Because clearly they didn't have any money. This is a, this is a New York city production. How much money do you honestly think they had? It looks like he rented his dad's VHS recorder. <laughs> how many, how much, how much money do you think they had for the production? But just a guess. Cause I don't know. My guess would be maybe a million. Probably, I could, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. About a million. it's probably definitely, definitely under five. Yeah, but yeah I, I could see it being. No one probably, everyone probably got scale. Showalter probably didn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he got uh, any kind of pay for this since he wrote, directed, and he's starring in it. He probably got nothing, yeah, yeah other yeah. than being able to do that. Right. Other than the fact that I had to point it out that the camera quality looks like garbage. I, it doesn't, yeah. It, it bothered me at first, but you get used to it. But it, it is like, God damn, this is 2005. This is also the, fr- I, I mentioned that the production company was Plum Pictures. This is actually the first film that they produced. They go on to produce Grace is Gone in 2007 and then Trucker in 2008, amongst others. And I don't believe they're together anymore. So this is their first film. I don't know if that matters to you, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of this movie. Really? I thought there were some moments that were funny, but overall, I think this was the weakest thing I've seen from like the state or the Stella group. As I, I don't them. know. That's tough to, I, I, I don't know what hot American summer is so good and so fun. And I know that they're trying to be like an old school 1930s comedy movie, but I just don't think it works most of the time, but that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I'm not, I'm not like, Oh, I had to watch this. There are some, <laughs> there are some funny moments, but I think overall, um, I was a little underwhelmed by the film. I would say to counter that, and it's tough because there are they are a comedy troupe, so it's really not fair to you know you can say like oh well you know there's some alum from Reno 911 that are part of this the state you know but that's not but are they that's I think it's only like two or three people so it's really tough to kind of like lump that all together but I will say this I would argue to your point or counterpoint to that what I would say that would be the sequel or the Yeah, the sequel, the sequel series of Wet Hot American Summer is Mm -hmm. probably weakest, is weaker than this movie. I have not seen that yet. Okay, well then it is. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure, I don't know, I just, so many of the jokes that they try just don't land for me in this. Okay. And I find Showalter to be annoying most of the time in this and not really someone I'm I'm rooting for. I just, That's 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 a criticism that I can't argue with. He does... He sometimes dives into the goofy realm uh, and it is a romantic comedy. So it's tough because his goofiness is not as endearing as uh, Cecil or Michelle Williams characters. Goofiness. Her goofiness is cute and it's, it's idiosyncratic and it's like, Oh, it's eccentric. And you're just like, Oh, you know, it's, you know, she's, 
she maybe she may like like different things or she may be off uh, you know off center a little bit which she honestly, doesn't belong in the world much of more, this film right, right it's yeah. much more appealing but she's still even even though they do have her have be little self confident she has more confidence in who she is as a person yes you know what i mean so she and you know that you can tell from her performance that she loves him she likes him but she is afraid to break up his marriage because he's always talking about you know caroline, caroline yeah that. but his goofiness and his offbeat performance is a little bit more sticky and more for comedic purposes and it doesn't really endear himself to the audience yes. i agree with you there uh that being said i still like there his his stuff is probably the stuff that I find the funniest is maybe not it's not really has to do with him although I do love his line when he's like as everyone knows compromise is the key to success which is you know is not true but <laughs> I just find that funny you know or like when they're doing the uh, when he's doing uh, the over the voiceover about Brooklyn and he's talking about it's uh, you know they had such modern marvels like the stoop like stuff like that yeah like, you know, stuff like that works and it's funny but your criticism is accurate and fair well those lines are are kind of the the state coming into the that comedy coming into the film and i think that's where it works but yeah when when showalter tries to be like he's trying to be like a howard hughes comedy right for howard hawks howard hawks i don't know why i said howard hughes like is he's trying to be like a howard hawks comedy and i don't think like that's an interesting thing to do in the modern age but I think that you just don't, you can't really do that. And he comes off sure. as weird and not appealing. And if he was more goofy like Cecil, that would work a lot better. Or sure. if they just threw in more state-like jokes, because those are my favorite parts of the movie. Um, and unfortunately, he doesn't have enough of those kind of jokes. Those jokes are given more to Paul Rudd or um, Justin, Justin Thoreau. Thoreau. Justin Thoreau has a lot of good lines. Yeah, I think Showalter needed more of that. I don't think that's his, but I don't think if you watch him in other stuff and other shows and mm -hmm. other episodes or the state uh, skits or which right, you yeah. cannot find a lot of their sketches online. I looked, you can't find a lot of their stuff. I don't even think you can find Stella uh, uh, yet anyway. So, but a lot of his humor is not like that. Even in like Wet Hot American Summer, he doesn't have, you know, well, what I know I mean? that's like the Michael yeah. Ian Black kind of stuff that those kind of jokes and he's relegated to be that goofy guy. But I just don't know if his goofy guy is. A main character goofy guy maybe that's it that's that's no i agree that's probably accurate but again i don't think anyone else could really do that role i mean he's a he's supposed to mean the the idea of the baxter mm -hmm. is when you hear about even though he made that phrase up that is not a real term he right. made that yeah, term yeah. up but that idea just it, it evokes an image of somebody like michael showalter like the four baxters that are in the bar like those you know what i mean i, I picture them as maybe just nicer and more just kind of like pushovers and not just kind of like just weird and awkward. I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, plenty weird and awkward. So, I, I, I mean, know, yeah, but they don't know. get left at the altar. They just don't get engaged or girlfriends at all. True. Like you're saying like somebody like, uh, Caroline's character, would she ever really go out with somebody like Michael? No. Schultz? And no. then the girl whose no. other ex-boyfriend was clearly like the head of his lacrosse team. Like that's not, <laughs> she, he's not, she's not then going out with the Baxter, that Baxter anyway. Yeah. Just, again, uh, agreed. And there was also, I don't know if you noticed this, but there was times where Showalter looked tired and puffy and like the makeup was either bad or like, and, and all I can attribute that to is the fact that he's writing and directing this and he's. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I noticed that too, but yeah. it's gotta have been, they had to have had oh. like two months to film this. No, absolutely. And he's bouncing back and forth between probably when they filmed in Connecticut it was probably Connecticut and actually New York bouncing between all that. 
No, it does. Yeah. T- it's a toll. It's absolutely a toll. All right, I'm now gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna set this camera up. That camera looks. All right, now I'm gonna run over here. Okay, let's go. All right, and now I'm gonna run across this New York City street because we don't have time. <laughs> well, he runs yeah. that. Yeah, he runs the. Uh, he does run the Brooklyn Bridge at that point because you clearly when he's pulling back and he's running across. Yeah. So real quick, they started filming on March 11th. And it doesn't say when it stops. It just says March 11th. And it says post-production May 6th. So I don't know if it took two two months, but it's, you know, I don't know. It was a quick production. Yeah. I mean, Usual Suspects took, what, 36 days? I, I remember that reading. Something like that. Yeah. So Usual Suspects really short. Or maybe 24 days, maybe something like that. But no, I, I that's the only thing I attributed that his look to was just like, okay, he he must be burning the wick at both ends kind of thing. Um. Here, here's the thing. I'm going to go back to independent film uh, and all the criticism that you have. Uh, so the, the fact that, and I, like I said, they're valid, but the fact that we get this type of movie uh, makes me like indie films more because I just feel like this type of movie would never have passed the fact checkers or the, not the fact, the focus groups or the, or, you know, the studio. Right. So I, I, I'm okay with, you know, with swings and misses in the movie because there are awesome lines in this movie. Like, when Justin Thoreau uh, Bradley is like talking about how he he goes to talk to old people, it's like old oh, people oh, yeah. are, are never revered in this country. So much wisdom. Oh, <laughs> 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 when he's like when he comes back at the end, and he cut and he he wants to stop the wedding, and he's like, I just got to try something new, maybe medicine, maybe soccer. I haven't got my head around it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not what it, that's he says that when he leaves. When he's leaving after he knocks no, out Joe Walter. When he comes into the, he says that at the wedding, doesn't he? When he comes in to bust stop the wedding. <sighs> no, I think he just says, I don't care what I'm going to do. I just want to be with yeah, you. I think because he, he said he was on the plane. He was thinking he was going to do something. And I don't know, maybe medicine, maybe soccer. I haven't got my hair around it yet. But the thing is, I didn't want to do it without you. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> I like when um, Caroline first runs into Bradley and she goes, Elliot, this is my fiance, Bradley, Bradley. This is, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's like, Oh man. Well, that has the, that also, that scene also has the funniest line in the movie when she tells him that it would take an act of God for us to cross paths. And, uh, Thoreau comes right behind, uh, Bradley comes right behind Elliot. And he's like, Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the, one of my favorite lines is when they're uh, all sitting together at dinner. Um, with Caroline's family. And the other guy goes, I hear bears can smell menstrual blood from a mile away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when he's talking about his honeymoon, camping and guided tours in Yellowstone. Who doesn't like that? I wanted to go somewhere tropical. and (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's just, you know. Hey, it looks like we're about midway through the episode. You know what that means? It's sponsor time. You're a little too excited. Uh, Sorry. Brush is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Brush redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist a fresh whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with the code POD15. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. We haven't even talked about uh, Peter Dinklage. Uh, and his character. So his character is hilarious. His character, like his character. So before Peter Dinklage did the station agent, I think the station agent is after this because that's really what kind of because he got nominated. I want to say for that role, or he got recognition, mm-hmm. and um, that kind of you started seeing him in bigger films. Then obviously Game of Thrones has just put him on another level, right? But he was always doing smaller indie independent films. Yeah, films. I think he's in 
I'm blanking on the name of it. The one with uh, Living in Oblivion. He was in Living in Oblivion. Where he has that awesome scene where he rips the director uh, for putting in uh, a little person in the. In the sh- he's like, "What's your dream sequence?" That whole thing. Yeah, yeah like he is really good. But it, he he's in this movie for what? Five minutes. He's in at the end, but he's not really in the movie he's at the end. The he's background. just there. The wedding but he has a scene which is like five, ten minutes long. He's when he when he's trapped outside. He's like, "Oh well, hello, Brooklyn." When the guy walks by, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm lost. I'm lost. Where am I going? Where am I going? Yeah, <laughs> he he was really. And then when he sees that, because he comes over and you realize that Elliot is wearing, I don't know how he would put female underwear on, uh, because. Cecil spent the night because she was, you know, it's, like, yeah, it's, a so contriv- it's a contrivance, it's right. a contrivance of like a romantic comedy where she, her boyfriend got mad. He, he left, she came over to crash at his house and you know, he didn't want his wife, his girl, excuse me, his fiance didn't know that she was there. And he put, and then he hedges sees the underwear and he's just like, Ooh, is that call me? Like, yeah. That kind of thing. Like I, he was, yeah. I, I make weddings. I don't fix them. <laughs> call me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when he says, when he tells her, I can't remember that what he says, he wants to have the food and she's, he's, what does he say? He, oh, I have it written down. Cause I love that line. Um, <laughs> Baja cuisine. What may I ask is Baja cuisine, beer battered fish. I hate you. But like, before he answers, like a hedge is just like, don't answer that. <laughs> 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 I like when he goes uh, I, I will have an apple juice and then he goes three waters yeah it's, yeah that's it's, the kind of silly stuff from the state that I like yeah that kind of absolutely yeah. absurdist stuff um and I just think it's the Howard Hawk stuff that just doesn't so you don't like for me it's not the absurdity of because I would put uh his performance Charles's performance has the absurdity angle so it's, it's so, but that bothers you it's because he's supposed to be the person he's supposed to be a Baxter I just can't see him as endearing or something that anybody would like mm-hmm. do you think that Paul Rudd playing his character playing the Elliot Baxter. would be better yeah you think so yeah uh, Paul Rudd's like what twenty six in this when this movie came out so he is like just starting yeah yeah this is an early Paul Rudd yeah. this is after Clueless but yeah. It is after Clueless. You're right. You're right. But yeah, he looks the same. (laughs) 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 When they're doing that stupid game in the, uh, in the bar. Oh, that's, that game makes no sense, but it's hilarious. It's supposed to not make any sense. (laughs) I love when he leaves and they're just like, Oh no, Elliot. No, no, no. All right. Now we can go back to the (laughs) game. Is it my turn? All right. right. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's funny because we both probably have the same opinion of this movie, but you are more towards the not liking it. And I'm probably more towards liking it. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Cause one of my notes here, and I will still stand by this note, even though we've just discussed it, that I don't think this movie is not only forgotten, I think, but it's criminally underrated. I think this movie is underrated I th- and that's fine. I, I don't care. You don't like it. That's fine. I, I'm not going to try to change your mind. I just, I really, I, I watch this movie again and I just, I, again, I'm putting the criticism of Showalter's performance behind, on, on the side because I don't think it's a bad performance. I just don't think it fits as you said. No, yeah, I don't think he's like right. a, doing a bad job. But I think everything else in this movie is, is funny. I think Thoreau's funny. I think Dinklage is funny. I think Michelle Williams is really good in this movie. She's fantastic right. in this movie. And and you, it's just completely, you, she's not, it's just, oh, everything else is overshadowing her be, just because of it. They're not focusing on her character. Right. But her performance is really, really good. It's really subtle. It, like I said, it makes you endears you to her. You want her to win. But also Cecil plays her character like she's um, 
that type of character from the 30s and 40s. True. And she even, like, she, the lines she says, the dialogue, when she goes, oh, please don't fire. Like, she says it with that kind of same kind of vibrato, I guess, in her voice that you would see in a 1930s or 40s actress and her kind of goofy, like, shyness. But it works, and I think it's better. And Showalter is trying to be both Showalter-esque and Howard Hawks 30 and 40 well, I, I think I he's trying to as well. I think he's trying to mimic that movie style. Right. But his performance is just going to be how he always performs. Is, yeah. That's his that's his his style, what he thinks is funny. Yeah. But yeah. she does such a good job at hearkening back to that age of of acting and, and style and stuff like that. I think it's great. And I love their scene in the club together. The when they when she he stays and they're having the party. When they're having the party, yeah, okay. and talking and stuff. I think that's a really great scene. Did you like the scene when he gets upset with Caroline at the, they go to the, the, the out of the way place that Bradley sends oh, the, them, burger the burger place? Yeah. No, because it's so awkward. Why, just, why is that? What uh, you, you know, because you, you, well, you don't like awkward comedy. I don't like yeah. awkward comedy when you're supposed to feel uncomfortable. I just, I just want to get out of that situation. Right. So when he's like, oh, I know this burger place. And then obviously he keeps ordering the wrong things or ordering things they don't even have. It's just like, stop. Stop, stop. Don't you think, but does that, do you, do you think that that negatively affects you? Not trying, again, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to convince the change your mind, but do you think that negatively affects the way you view the performance because you don't like awkward comedy? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. All right. Okay. I do like at the end when he finally yells at Cecil, like mm-hmm. when he kind of has a backbone finally, I like that. It's like, I gave you flowers. I gave you candy and this and that. And I will not dance. I will not, I will do what I want to do. He yells and at I Cecil? Like dance, dancing. What? Oh, uh, when I'm sorry, when Elliot yells at uh, Caroline. Right. Okay. Right. But then she. But then she. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because that's that scene, and then that right. like kind of has her have a turn in terms of wanting to be with him. He stands up to himself, and all of a sudden she sees he has a background. Yeah. Right. I mean, I like that part. And when they're doing the dance off, and they're trying to, and he's like, "Watch this, watch this," and he's, he's trying like, to do the. <laughs> now I got this moonwalk, you know. <laughs> yeah, he used to be a break dancer. <laughs> Like, do you think that this is the one of the better performances of Justin Theroux? Yes, you do. I do. I really like him as well. I think he's really good because we've we've I'm throughout the I threw out Wanderlust a little bit. Wanderlust is also the same, uh, this the same comedic teams and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, he's he plays the he plays like the leader of the cult, right. Not the cult, but like it's like a. I haven't seen that movie in a long really? time, but I think so. Yeah, because Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston are the couple, and they go right. Over yeah. There. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never not mind you. I've never seen the leftovers, so I couldn't tell you. He's really good in the leftovers, leftovers, but it's really depressing. But <laughs> he's really good in the leftovers. But I think he he doesn't do enough of these kind of comedy roles. Yep. Um. Or he's in there just to be the handsome guy. <laughs> and he's not given enough of the actual comedy to do. Right. Whereas in this, he actually gets jokes that he gets to do and gets to land. He's not just that guy that the our bumbling hero has to overcome. I mean, he really isn't that in this movie either. Because it's not something that Michael Showalter's Elliot has to overcome. Sure. Uh, that he has to overcome being the Baxter. He has to kind of overcome himself. So uh, um, Bradley's just kind of another character he's overcoming the baxter curse as it were right. or, him, or, or his, his own his acceptance, acceptance of of not yeah. like because cecil tells him is. doesn't take it cecil tells him it's like you know don't you don't take a chance you don't 
you know, yeah, you, you should have danced with you that girl, right? You should have given is a nice her your shirt. Yeah, exactly. Like the, there are you, there were things you need to do, and you allow things to happen. That, you, but that's not their fault. That's your fault. Yep. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's that's a that's a good lesson. And I guess they don't really hammer that home. And I guess that lesson's missed maybe because of all the goofiness surrounding yeah. it. Yeah. Well, he gets to there's the dance scene where he's in the club with Cecil, and he. I was about to ask her to dance before right. they get interrupted. He gives her his pajamas, like his clothes. I was waiting for like some kind of dog scene as well, because those are the three flashbacks we had. Mm-hmm. So I thought he was going to overcome each one of his failures from before, but there was no dog involved in the end. I All right, like, right, right. Oh, I was waiting for that to kind of line up. Oh, maybe they, maybe that was the plan, but they had to move on from it or, or whatnot. The dog cost too much money. They spent all their money already. <laughs> I can't get a dog. <laughs> I mean, I would say that also speaking of show, Walter, I, I his, um, his directing career is, uh, you know, the big sick is really known for obviously because it's a true story. It's right. based on the, the two leads or excuse me, the one lead. Uh, but, it, you know, he directed that. He directed. Oh, them. no, he's been doing a lot of. Yeah. Right. And he, like the Lovebirds was a fatality of the pandemic because the Lovebird was going to come out. It was going to be a big release mm-hmm. Had two big comedic names in it. So it, but it ended up going to Netflix just because, you know, they, they had no, they released it at some right, point. Yeah. Right. But hell of my name is Doris. You know, Sally Field's really good in that. Uh, it's just, you know, I th- so he's his, he has got a keen eye for, for a comedy movie, but not just a comedy, but a comedy that mixes drama, dramatic elements and, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm really interested in his new one, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, because I didn't realize he was doing that. And that's with Jessica Chastain and Vincent D'Onofrio. So I, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So <laughs> I, I, his, I, I think that maybe, he, you know, he might be, maybe people appeal more to him as a director than maybe as a, as an actor. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like I said, we both like the goofy humor. We both like the absurdity of the humor. So that's always going to hit with me. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I like Showalter and his other stuff that yeah. he's been in. It's just, it just happens to be in this movie. I think it doesn't fit what he wants him to be. Right. But no, I think his directing is fine. I love and I didn't know there was anything at the end of the credits. And I'm I'm glad I stayed through as the credits rolled because I didn't realize there was going to be the scene at the end where it turns out Paul Rudd's character is the, uh, is the oh, Baxter. Baxter. yeah. Oh, that's the guy. He always gets the girl. <laughs> and there's me, the Baxter. <laughs> and he's like, and then he's like kicking it. Oh, dang it. <laughs> there was something at the very end, I think it's... Um, at the very end of the credits, someone is telling a story again. I can't remember. I'm va- I think they're, I don't, maybe I'm thinking of something else. You might be thinking of something else. Cause that's yeah. the last thing. Okay. Yeah. And that's me, Dan, the Baxter. <laughs> I have it in the thing. It's like, it almost saved the film for me. That almost made me go into like, I like the film. Like that's a good movie. Cause I love that ending. Well, you were mentioning, uh, Ken Marino's part. So why don't you say that? So Ken Marino comes in after, um, Elliot and Cecil are finally about to get together and he goes, and nothing's going to stop me from getting together. And then Ken Marino goes, Cecil, is that you? It's me. From uh, from remember semester by the sea. Yeah. yeah. Semester by the he's, got, he's like, get out of here. Get, get. And he like kicking him across the street. Ken Marino has to run away. <laughs> okay, man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like he's almost Baxter again at the last second. <laughs> but, you know, that's almost like that's the equivalent of, well, it's a stretch, but these two equivalent of when George stops in in Back to the Future, when George stops Biff and they're dancing and he's going to and he's there and that other bully comes in, scram McFly, and he oh, puts, yeah. and he's almost <laughs> got to do it again. He's still got to stand up. So it's almost like that. And he still has to, you know, 
act and stop people act from fight, entering. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a funny moment, but it does fit within the concept of the movie and what they're trying to say. So you don't think this is something that... Well, I mean, I, I can I know I can know why it's forgotten, but you really don't. You think it should stay forgotten? Is that what you're saying? I can't see myself recommending this to anyone. Really? I it, it'd be t- if you if someone came up to me and went, "Man, listen, if Ste- well, I'm sure it will eventually." Stella comes on Paramount Plus because they have all the Comedy Central stuff, and someone's like, "I've been watching that; it's really funny." Or I just watched Wet Hot American Summer, you know, and I'm like, "Well." If you do really like that, it's not as good, but the Baxter's there and it's, it's got everybody in it. It's got funny moments, but I can't tell you it's a good movie. Wow. See, I disagree. I think it is a good movie. I think this would, that I would recommend to somebody who likes comedy, who enjoys, if someone said, oh, I like the state or, oh, I like, um, if someone said they like the state, I, I would like say, American yeah. Summer. I said, no, I would, I wouldn't, but see, I wouldn't couch it by saying it's not a good movie, but check this. I would be like, no, you should check this up because you'll like it. It's funny. See, I can't do that. But you I just talk about how you like Dinklage in this movie, how you like Justin Theroux in this movie, how you I like know. Michelle Williams in this movie, but you're not willing to say that this is a, a movie worth watching. You're, you're, you're saying that you have performances that you enjoy there and jokes that you enjoy, but it's not jokes that I enjoy, but overall as a movie, it, 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 there's no cohesion really so you're telling me this is on par with cosmic sin oh no i'm not saying it's a bad movie i'm but saying it's not a great movie it doesn't have to why does it have, why do all movies have to be great why can't they, they just be good so, they don't so why do you have to couch it by saying it's it's not good it, watch this movie it's uh, all right how about i would go you know it's okay it's not as good as what it's not as good as what hot not, american summer yeah. and i don't think it's as good as the stella tv show but the jokes in there are really funny and everybody in it is really good. I don't know a lot. I don't know many people that don't like Wet Hot American Summer, mm-hmm. but that's, I'm sure there are people out there that don't like it. Well, that's why I would have, yeah. they'd have to like, you have to like that kind of comedy. It's all and over the place. And even Wet Hot American Summer has some stuff that I just really don't like either. Hit me you know, with on it. The whole, I really Hit like me it. with it. What don't you like? Uh, the, it's really just one part. I don't like that storm the scene when the storm starts happening at the, the end? end, I don't like that. Yeah. That's just part that's, of the, yeah. Okay. The movie, that happens in the movie. I'm like, ah, I was so Everything was so good. And now this is really just really dumb. <laughs> it went from like the state to like Tim and Eric. And I really don't like Tim and Eric. I don't watch that show. Uh, I, don't know that I think they're really not that. funny at all. And so it went to that kind of comedy, which if you like that kind of comedy, that's fine. But that's, Absurd to another level that I just can't absurd with. for the sake of like explain it because I don't know I don't know the it's comedy just, just dumb and absurd for the sake of being dumb and absurd and okay. weird okay um and I don't I can't just laugh at that <laughs> I find that not funny yeah but the Baxter doesn't really have any of those moments so true true but I would say it's not as strong as what Hot American Summer it's okay the there are parts the parts are greater than the whole. But the performances are great and the jokes that land are really, really funny. It's got some great dialogue. It's got some great lines, even if it's not said. None of them are said by Showalter for the most part. <laughs> it's got some great lines. Yeah, that's something to be said for not giving yourself the better lines. True. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm going to still stand by what I said before that this movie's not just forgotten. It's it's criminally underrated. I think you're criminally underrating it and I'm going to put you <laughs> under arrest. That's but. fine. I think. Do you think that you have rose colored glasses because of your experience watching it at Tribeca a little bit? Uh, I will no, because I saw another movie at Tribeca that I absolutely couldn't stand. And the only reason it got in there was because it took place in New York. And that's what they said when the producer was like, yeah, so, you know, we're looking for New York stories. So this when the producer handed me this and I knew I had to get in the festival, I'm thinking to myself, did he pay the fee? Did he submit it like everyone else has to submit it? Or did he just walk up to you and give you the movie and be like, put this in? So there are, I've, I've sat in the theater and watched a movie and turned to my friend and going, how is this in a festival? Because I've seen crappy films in the festival. Well, I, I get that. Uh, but just that, that you liked it. 
so do you like it even more because you have a memory attached to it? Cause I definitely have movies like that where it's like my memory of the film of watching the film definitely informs my liking of the film a little bit more. I would think, and I think I said it at the beginning, I think more so that because it's an indie film, not just because I saw it at Tribeca, but also because it's an indie film and because I, I like independent cinema. I like, you know, indie films from New York. I, I just like the, you know what I, I know what goes into it. So right. I understand that I like the state. I, I like the state when they first came out in the early nineties. Yeah. Cause I was like 18, 17, 18, 19 when they mid, were out midnight. Midnight. So yeah. I was, yeah, I was in early twenties. So I was just like, I was into that. I was right. into that weird humor. So I think that's why I really, really liked it. Um, I mean, you could make a case that there's rose color, but I still, uh, we talk about like when we talk about, you know, how Michelle, again, how Michelle Williams is really good, how, you know, Justin Thoreau is really good. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great lines in it. Um, you know, I understand that what you're talking about with Showalter. I agree with you. Right. But that is not enough for me to, to give this movie a negative for me. Everything else I like. So, and I was, I forgot that Dinklage was in this movie when we saw him and I was like, yeah. And then I saw, <laughs> I saw him in the first scene. I was just like, oh, he's, that's right. He's the wedding planner. So I was, I, and then I remembered that scene that when he, when he sees the underwear. So I was like, okay, I, I remember that. And like some of the lines that we talked about already, where I talked about, I know, compromise is the key to success. They're camping and guided towards the other. So I forgot all right. about those jokes with the family. Cause you tend to overlook that stuff because that's not the funnier aspects of it. I will say he does have one, Elliot does have one good line. I like, um, and it's not a funny line, but I like it when he very early in the movie, he realizes he goes, I've got a great job. I got, I got a great apartment and a fiance who likes me <laughs> and i'm just like oh but i like that he does realize all this stuff right away yeah so i do like that about his character yeah no uh i mean agree to disagree i guess, I guess that's the the tag for this episode agree, agree to, to disagree. disagree see i don't think i'm disagreeing with you i just don't think that what we like about the movie puts it on the same pedestal you're not rating it as higher as uh, as i am, right anyways. i think we both yeah. like and dislike the exact same things right. but it's just where our rating is on those Thanks. I think a lot of times with movies in general, or if if with comedies or romantic comedies, you know, with the jokes and and all that stuff that happens, like you see, like the stuff in this movie, I don't see in a majority of other films. You know what I mean? Yeah. But all the other films that you see that always get turned out, they're the same recycled jokes, and I just you know they're not interesting. And yeah, they made me, I may laugh or I may on revisit be like, oh, that is pretty funny. That line's pretty funny here and there. Yeah. With the Baxter, it's just there's stuff. There's a lot of stuff in this in this movie that I wouldn't see normally, and that's I think why I appreciate it a little bit more. And you know, again, uh, the indie film aspect, I will always give an indie film you know the benefit of the doubt just because I know what goes into it, and you know, pe everyone doing this movie are doing this movie for the sake of the movie and for the telling the story. Right, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not doing this movie because like they're making just a money. paycheck. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's not, that's not why they said yes. Yes. They want a career and they're moving up, but they're, then, you know, they still are trying to do things and in, in earnest and whatnot. Oh yeah. 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 All right. So I guess that's it. So, uh, you know, I like the movie Butler doesn't, he's a jerk. <laughs> uh, good luck finding it. <laughs> well, speaking of finding it, well, it's on Apple Plus. But speaking yeah, of finding it, I, where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. You can also find us on the social medias at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on there all the time. We post every weekday. We post fun commercials every Thursday. And uh, check our podcast out. Well, I mean, you're listening to it wherever you are. Rate, review, and subscribe where you're listening to us or just listen to us wherever you get podcasts as well. And stay tuned this week. Uh, I think we're going to have another bonus episode coming out about wedding scenes. 
scenes, right? Or scenes from weddings and movies or something. There's something to do with weddings. Weddings. <laughs> <laughs> and then next week, join us because we're going to do a complete 180 and go from something that is made with super low budget to something that's made with a gigantic budget a with big expectations. A real summer movie. Last Action Hero from 1993. And let me tell you something, the uh, movie ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. I am Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Summer.